0: Hello, and welcome to the Global Founders Podcast, your premier destination for engaging voices that inspire. I'm Neil Piper, Executive Director of the Presidential Precinct, and we're live from the Potter Studio at James Madison's Mount Pillar. We've been humbled by the early support of Global Founders, and thank you, our listeners, for subscribing to this once-monthly program. You are an integral part of making the Presidential Precinct community such a vibrant and diverse place of thought around the world today i'm joined by Kat emhoff the president and ceo of the mount pillier foundation Kat oversees all aspects of the mount pillier foundation and the strategic integration with the robert h smith center for the constitution to ensure participation in civic dialogue help improve the public's understanding of the founding principles of the united states and deepen their understanding of the participation in our democracy she is a champion woman leader, having also served as a chief operating officer and vice president of the Thomas Jefferson Foundation and Monticello and the state director of the Nature Conservancy in Montana. I'm also joined by Mirabelle Gong from Bamanda Cameroon, who participated in our Mandela-Washington Fellowship civic leadership curriculum in 2015. Mirabelle is a communications professional and feminist advocate with five years' experience in civil society. She has reached out to more than 400 women in the northern region of Cameroon, strengthening leadership skills and boosting their political confidence. Currently, Mirabelle is a project manager for World Vision for Education and Development, where she focuses on equipping youth with leadership and business skills, encouraging girls in the fields of science, and promoting development priorities that address self-reliant skills. In celebration of international women's day and women's history month i feel honored to have you both here with us today mirabelle let's start with you i know you've been quite busy in the last two years since attending the mandela washington fellowship tell us what have you been up to <laughs>
1: thank you very much neil i'm very honored to be here today and to talk on what i've been up to and uh it's really wonderful I've been back home for more than two years, and uh, with the rich experience I gathered from the presidential precinct during the Yali Fellowship, I've been really able to do so much and, uh, you know, reach out to so many people. Um, though there have been so much challenges, and there's been so much, uh, I've had so many challenges, but, you know, what I've been able to achieve so far is inspiring. You know, uh, in the past few months, I've been working with women and girls, uh, promoting girls' education in my community through uh, uh, a school outreach mentoring club where I mentor girls, helping them to set out, to, to set their goals and achieve them. I also mentor them and help them to stay in schools. And at the moment, we are working with 125 young girls, And it's really wonderful working with them, seeing how inspiring and better they become every day with our programs. And also one of the great programs that inspires me most also is working with young women. In the past few months, I've been able to uh, train uh, 21 young women in Bamenda on commercial gardening and income-generating activities. Because I believe that empowering women economically is also a way of helping them provide education for their daughters. So on my uh, work on promoting girls' education.
0: (laughs) You've been extremely busy. I know that, you know, all of us from our team, we've been so inspired watching your work through social media and reading so many media stories about the impact you're having on young girls across Cameroon, and it seems like yesterday you were here. It's been, you know, 2015 since you're a Mandela Washington Fellow, and Kat, I know you met Mirabelle here at Mount Pilier. Um, tell us about, you know, how you met Mirabelle, and and the types of programs you guys are doing here at Mount Pilier.
2: Well, we're so fortunate to be part of the presidential precinct and to get to host folks like Mirabelle. And, Mirabel, you probably remember, it was not necessarily cool in Virginia when you were visiting James Madison's Montpelier, but it was indeed beautiful. I think there is... Really, an opportunity to have sort of power of place, and why we are so appreciative of having people like you, Mirabelle, and others come and be at James Madison's Montpelier is not only can we share with you what James Madison, who was a young millennial himself, was thinking about what was facing then the the 13 colonies that had kind of loosely manned together. But really, the struggle that the U.S. had 10 years after the revolution, you know, it's good and easy to declare revolution, sometimes even win the revolution, but it's very hard to govern. And so James Madison sat in that upstairs library, which you have visited, looked out over the Blue Ridge Mountains and really grappled with these very human stories and this struggle for freedom that all of us experience. And how do you do things like balance freedom of religion? What do you do with protecting minority views? And to then hear from people in emerging democracies from all around the world, but particularly your group from sub Sub-Sahara Africa, to get a chance to get you know, to know you better, to see what challenges you're facing, and to hear about your own journey forward, not only I think we were able to help share a little bit about the American experience, but what you're experiencing also has informed us. So it was really an honor to meet Maribel. And then we had another opportunity to travel together, and that was to Washington, D.C. for something called the Girl Up Leadership Summit. I was blown away to see someone from our program, someone I've gotten to know, to be in a space with Thousands of young women to stand before them and to be a role model for these emerging young leaders to see how well you handled that and just how the presidential precinct really helped prepare that conversation. It was very lofty. It was very idealistic, and it's the kind of thing that women need to do for each other.
0: Mirabel, I I, you know I'll never forget that day. Uh, It was it was so much fun uh, traveling to D.C. with you and and it.
1: Seriously, it was it was it was, it was, it was my best day of the year. And I myself, I don't think I'll forget that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, tell our listeners that weren't in the room with us. Uh, you you know, you had this unique opportunity to speak alongside First Lady Michelle Obama in front of, you know, hundreds to a thousand young women. Tell us about that experience. I think it's...
1: It, it, the kind of experience I will call an inspiration to me because I never only had the opportunity to speak, with, to speak alongside Michelle Obama. I first had the opportunity to speak to her in person. And you know, she was there really good, talking about the things I've been doing back home with me. We discussed a lot and she gave all this encouragement. And you know, and, and it's like a dream to really have a role model like Michelle Obama, you know, listening to you, encouraging you, talking to you. And just in a moment, I spoke also after her. And, you know, I was so blown up looking at all these young women, having the opportunity to also inspire them the way my mother inspires me, the way Michelle Obama inspires me. And here was her also in this space talking to these young women around the world. And, you know, since then, it's been... it's been a reminder to me that everything is possible and that every girl, every woman has what it takes to achieve their dreams and that nothing can stop us regardless of where we come from, regardless of who we are. It's just about us believing in ourselves, having dynamic people to build us up and why not having Dynamic people like the presidential president, you know, you and Kat, you know, you gave me all the support and all the encouragement, and you guys made me feel like I had wings to fly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I want to turn over to Kat. We're here at the home of James and Dolly Madison, and, you know, Dolly was considered the first lady in the United States, uh, the first first lady in the U.S. However, in the time, women didn't have the right to vote. Um, a lot has changed here in the U.S. Uh, for providing better rights for women uh, since uh, the 1800s. Uh, what are some lessons learned from that time, and how is uh, Dolly's story relevant today and to the world?
2: There are some really interesting stories, not only about Dolly Madison, but about other women uh, at Montpelier. But to focus on Dolly for a second, of course, James Madison is known as the father of the Constitution and the architect of the Bill of Rights. This was his home, and he was the third generation of Madisons who had lived here on this property. But he meets Dolly when he's 44 and she's 27, and at this point, she's a young Quaker widow. She is beautiful, but she doesn't have a lot of authority. By marrying James Madison, she is pulled into a sphere that ended up suiting her very well for her personality. She was very outgoing, had what I would consider an incredibly high social IQ, and she became with James what I think we would now talk about as maybe the first big power couple. She's the first woman to reside as First Lady in the Furnished White House, and she does she uses her power. It's very indirect power. It's something maybe we'd call soft power, but she's kind of relentless in how she uses her power. And when I think about how we look here at James Madison's Montpelier, we certainly look at our historic site, but we look at everything through the lens of the Constitution, and to realize that we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. I can't help but think how Dolly would have been so interested right before she died that there were a group of people in Seneca Falls talking about kind of the Declaration of Rights for Women that eventually, many, many years later, led to the 19th Amendment of the Constitution.
1: and if if I can really like add something to that, uh, while I was uh, at the fellowship, you know, the narrative about Dolly, the, 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 uh, it was kind of like I've worked very much in the past years on women and politics, encouraging women to participate in politics and to take their civic responsibilities uh, really serious. And while the narrative went on at the, at the center, I just felt like calling all the women in my community to come and see this woman, to come and hear about her. Because, you know, I could really, like, imagine the authority she had on her, that dignity, carrying, that pulling herself up. You know, she was such an inspiration to me just from the narrative. And I felt like, at times, I felt like I could really visualize it and I could see her. So, you know, it, it, every time I listened to the narrative, I was like, ouch, I wish I can be like her and kept such a legacy.
0: <laughs> we we would love to have you back, uh, Mirabelle. Well, as, as you mentioned, Mirabelle, the theme for International Women's Day 2017 was Be Bold for Change. Now, this theme is timely given the release of the 2016 World Economic Forum report that predicts the gender gap won't close entirely until 2186. Quite depressing. Despite massive progress in closing gender gaps in health, education, economy, and politics, women's rights remains a critical issue throughout the world. Our progress is still too slow for realizing the full potential of one half of humanity in our lifetimes. Now, Kat and Mirabelle, your careers have inspired many people around the world, and there is no doubt that your personal mottos align well with the Be Bold uh, for Change theme for this year's International Women's Day. And given all your success, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear from you about challenges and lessons learned as you have helped forge a more gender-inclusive world. So I'll just start by asking, how do you see women in the workplace changing? What is improving? And where do we still need to make progress? I'll let you start, Mirabelle.
1: It's a story. And you know, March has been my best month. Not only has March been the Women's History Month, but one of the girls in my lead club is traveling to New York this week. She's traveling for the Girls' Summit in New York, and I'm, I'm so amazed because I've been an inspiration to her, and she's moving to meet these girls also from 10 other countries in the world. So I think I really need to come back and gather more of that inspiration to keep inspiring more girls like I'm, that I'm doing now.
2: Well, and Mirabel, when you come back, I think one of the things that has changed here as well, we've really added on to the story of Montpelier about the women's history here, not just the history of Dolly Madison and her impact, but the history of James Madison's grandmother and his mother who were incredible forces within even colonial America of kind of taking control of their own fate and running this huge plantation and and really running it with pretty steel hands. But also we know more and more, thank goodness, about the women who were enslaved here and made that wonderful life that James and Dolly enjoyed so much Possible And that narrative of the enslaved women and men and children who worked here is going to be revealed more at Montpelier when we open an exhibition in June called The Mere Distinction of Color. And I think that's one of the things I felt was missing when you were here last. So you've got to come back and see that our story... (laughs) our story of women is growing and growing and it's and it's the it's the american story it's not just the african american story or the man's story or the woman's story it is our story
0: well i'd love to hear from the two of you you know how do you think about the issue of women and leadership in the context of your own career
1: um i think looking at women's position now i think it's it, it we, we we've we've done work but i think so much work still needs to be done for instance back in cameroon in the past four years we have been able to turn more women into politics uh in parliament in uh, in the senate but i think looking at it women still have so much challenges for instance we have societal barriers where there is no still this push i always have this thing of we need men and women working together to put women on that position that we need them. Because like I always say, women make up more than half of the population. And so they need to be empowered to bring forward this change that can make the world a better place. We still have this, this stereotype that women need to just be homemakers. Men still feel that women should go back home. And we are really fighting on that very much. And there is also other areas also like economic empowerment of women. Because I, I, I love to look at these problems from the road. When I look at women in my community, why are we not represented? Why are we not in the workplace? And why can we not really lead the change we see? We find that one of the main issues is lack of education, lack of mentoring. So I, I think that's one of the reasons I continue to spur more women economically. Such that when they start their economic activities, some of them can even acquire more education or even be able to send their kids back to school. And and also, one of the challenges that I identify is self esteem. Some women think that they can't really make it, and it's left to us to always go down there and tell them that believe in yourself. You can do it. If I can do it, if Kat can do it, if any other woman that you look up to can do it, why not you? So I think. Although progress is being done, but there is still so much more to be done. And also, women believing that there is a common say back in Cameroon where people say a woman is a woman's enemy. And we are trying very hard to make women understand that women can work together. And an example I have is that women have met throughout the Mandela Washington Fellowship. We build each other, we encourage each other in hard times, we help each other grow. And back home, I'm trying to make women understand that a woman is not a woman's enemy. We can work together. We should believe in women working together with men towards development. It's not like a gender fight against men. It's like, you know, us holding our hands together for a better world.
2: Mirabel, that was amazing, and I just have to applaud you for all that you're doing, Cameroon. I would say, you know, in the U.S., we like to think we're first, but we're not even close. I mean, whether you're looking at number of elected officials, heads of companies, CEOs, uh, The pay gap is still enormous in the United States. We have growing poverty, particularly impacts women and children. Access to birth control and other reproductive rights seem to be at real risk in the United States. And so in some ways, if you look at the statistics, we've actually gone backwards in some very important categories. So uh, I think there is much, much to be done. And it's hard for me to put a finger on why that backslide is taking place. But uh, it would be nice to be up there with some of the Scandinavian countries and some of the um, the statistics about just kind of gender equality. And it's not just good for women, it's good for men. Uh, it's good for men, seriously.
0: Maribel, I'd be interested to know uh, with your experience being here in the U.S. Uh, for six weeks, what are some of the most notable gender inequalities taking place in Cameroon that perhaps we don't wrestle with as much here in the United States?
1: Me, as a woman... It's not been easy, it's challenging, but at the same time, I think I've lost the impact I've been able to create in society. Because first of all, uh, there is a saying that goes, if you want to see change, do the change you seek to see in society. So uh, being a young woman growing up, struggling to have her voice heard, and being in this society where I was shunned many times, I struggled, I got up there, and today the struggle continues. And every time I have these, uh, like, men saying that, why do you do this? Why do you have to stand out? But the woman society wants a submissive woman who goes to be a housewife, takes care of kids and everything. But uh, we really try to make women understand that you can still have a successful career, lead a home, and create change in society. So it's really fulfilling, and at the same time, it's really challenging. But at the same time, you know, when I look at this, Impact I'm creating is encouraging, and the people we inspire
2: is encouraging. Well, my response to be to that would be in part: you never hear men called bossy, do you? There's so many pejorative words that are used for women who try to be in leadership roles or are in leadership roles, and it's very rare that a man gets critiqued to the you know inch the way women do on actually how they appear. So I think that. When I think about the issue of women in leadership in my own career, I agree with you, Mirabelle. It hasn't even been easy for someone like me, and I've been helped along the way by some amazing mentors in my time. But I I do think that being a woman has placed an extra burden on the carefulness of wording, how you present yourself. I do not feel that I've advanced as quickly as I would have if I'd been a man. And I'm pretty sure that there have been significant pay gaps in in my past. So just my kind of personal story is, you know, you do experience, and, and I feel like I'm one of the really lucky ones. I would note I have a job in a nonprofit, and nonprofits uh, tend to not be as competitive as the uh, market, and that you see a lot more women in nonprofit for that reason. Yeah,
1: and 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 one of the things I'd love to add, for instance, in the context of Africa, I've been shunned many times by men. First, that I've had to pull back once in a while and ask myself, "Am I really going to pull along with this?" But at the end of the day, you look at your self value, your personal values. I look at my goals and, you know, it it, it it pushes me, it encourages me. It's not easy. But one thing I would say I'm lucky about is because one of the mentors or the people that have, that have really pushed me so much in life is my father. <laughs> Surprisingly, is the man who made me believe that, you know, you're a girl and you're a human being who can bring change. I don't look at children like boys and girls. So it, it, it's challenging. It's not easy, but I think I continue to tell women outside, women out there, that, you know, as a leader, as a woman, it's double responsibility. And it's really hard, but, you know, it's still possible. And if we can do it, we encourage more women to join us in leadership.
0: Well, my last question is, as as women leaders who have been successful in the nonprofit sector, what advice do you have for young women and girls who aspire to be leaders? Mirabel, I'll start with you.
1: One advice I'll give to women outside there is that they are the change they are looking for in the world. And that the changes we face, we just need to be focused. And we just need to believe in ourselves. And we need to work together. We need to look up to mentors. They need to believe in themselves, look up to people that inspire them. And despite the challenges, for instance, in Cameroon now, it's really hard because we have so much political... Uh, there is so much political uh, instability such that in the past four months, life has not been easy. We've even been shut down from the internet for two months. And women really complain about it at the level of education, at the level of communication, businesses. I will tell women that those challenges should not pull them down. Let's all just work together and see how we can move on. And then the second advice I'll give women, especially the women we have been able to inspire into leadership, is that let's not just thrive be in leadership to say, ah, we've had a higher number of women represented, but let's build ourselves to create the impact, to create the change, so that when we assume those positions of responsibility, be it in the civil society, in the private sector, be it in government positions, we should be able to create that impact. That makes us, know, to deserve those positions. It's not just about representation, it's about impact. And I will call on every man and woman and all families out there to give their children an education because it's right the key to everything. Our children need proper education, proper mentoring, and, you know, we need to build their self-confidence because it's really possible. And we need men in this struggle. We need fathers in this struggle. We need our brothers and our friends in this struggle because although we've done so much, Really, so much still needs to be done. It's not easy. It's not easy, I'll say. But you know, when you look at what we have been able to do, I think we can still do more. And with mentors and great women that I look up to like Kat, you know, she's one of the women I look up to so much. She inspires me so much. And you know, I, I just believe that you know, all women can really make the world a better place.
2: Oh, Mirabelle, that's so nice to hear. And I, you inspire me. I've, I've got a couple of Ideas—they're both personal and more kind of global for women as a group. But one, personally, you have to form a network, and you've got to spend your life—and men and women in the network. But that is where a lot of men have advanced. They have had social networks, they have political networks. They've gone to the right school or had the right club. And I think a lot of times we as women have not really been laser focused on keeping that network strong and also helping other women. I said before I have mostly been helped by men. I would say actually I've been mostly been helped. men. And that's kind of a sadness to me that women do end up competing in an odd way with one another that isn't helpful. I'm hoping that um, the upcoming generation has less of that. I think my generation had less than even the generation before me. I think you have to be fierce. Nobody said this is going to be easy. Be prepared for failure, and sometimes you're going to have to keep your bags packed. If you are not willing to sort of stand on your principles and be ethical, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, and you just have to recognize that as a woman, be ready to take those knocks. I think sometimes I feel with women maybe we're a little less willing to go right into the fight and uh, swing the fist and, you know, it's kind of a, well, I'll just fade from the situation. I'll go try to find another angle. But I would invite women to kind of call on their their inner uh, woman warrior a little bit. And we have not done as well in taking advantage as, as a group of our financial power. Women make a lot of decisions just in the U.S., if you're going to go into the tourism business, who's making the decisions on where the holidays are spent? I'm very conscious at James Madison's Montpelier. We better be setting up a program here that is of interest to women visitors and their families. We shouldn't be shying away from using our financial power as well.
0: Well, I cannot thank the two of you enough for joining us today and for all of our listeners tuning in. I know this is just the beginning of a much longer conversation that will continue on social media and the Presidential Precinct Network. Uh, Mirabelle and Kat are both members of the network, and we encourage you to reach out to them with your questions or comments there. Uh, Be sure to also join us next month for our April episode of Global Founders, Engaging Voices That Inspire.